Are you a podcaster? Maybe you've got that big idea and you're looking for a network to join. The multi-award-winning Ozcast Network can get your content to eyes and ears all over the world. Join now for the first month free, and you could be featuring this sound at the beginning of your podcast. Ozcast. Simply head to ozcastnetwork.com for details. What's up, guys? Before we get into the episode, I want to let you know we are finally doing our first merch drop at the Unlaced Podcast. It's taken us about 100 shows to get there, but we finally have a couple of T-shirts and this beautiful hat that I'm wearing coming to you in the next few weeks. Now, this is going to be an exclusive range. There's not going to be a whole heap of units. So if you guys want to get in quick, there is a link in the episode here. Put in your details. Give yourself the best opportunity to get one of these tees. This is the white faded bony heavy tee. I'm calling it the smiley tee. It's got some of the sayings from the show on the back. And of course, one of my favorites, probably the favorite, is the humanized tee. These are a bit heavy, oversized type t-shirts. You'll absolutely love them. Get amongst them early. I love you all for the support. Let's get into the episode. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Unleashed Podcast. If you are new here, thank you for turning up. And if you've come back again, as I always say, I love you. Um, I've been so excited for this show today uh, for a long time. And I reckon I hit this specific person up a long, long time, years ago, maybe even before I started this journey saying, hey, you're definitely someone I would love to have on the show. Um, but logistics weren't weren't sort of on on our side then. So we couldn't do it. And now we're about, I'm three coffees deep and Lubo Milicevic, who's here with me today is about six deep. So we're radiating. Just for you. <laughs> just, just for this podcast. I know. Not the fact that it was just logistics, but I, I've refused to talk. I mean, not refused. I don't think I'm that interesting or anyone even wanted to talk to me anymore, but I haven't spoken publicly for about seven years, I oh, think. It's crazy. And when yeah. you said that to me before, I'm like, shit, man. Cause I have I reckon a lot of people are going to be really interested in what you say because be I know you, you, you know, be a let down the yeah, nah, cause your journey is pretty crazy. Like yeah. I was thinking, I'm like, how do I introduce you? I'm like, you're an ex-pro footballer. You're a restauranteer. You're a model. You're a barista. Yeah. I'm like, well, is there anything else I've left off? Oh man. Um, I don't know. I think it's just the beginning to be honest. Yeah. Uh, that that's where I would start with my own intro is like life has sort of just begun. Yeah. You know, there's a, I feel like we all live many lives. I definitely have lived a few and moving back to Melbourne two months ago, this is the beginning of the next phase for me. Yeah. It's, um, it's pretty cool. Like for, for, and for those that don't know, we'll definitely go into it, but Lubo's career was second to none. The one thing we do have in common is we both play for the junior national teams and I, you were like a captain for the Oliroos and young Socceroos, but you had a, played a couple of years in the NSL and then Lubo rocketed straight into Europe where he's playing European football. He was captaining clubs at like 24, 25, playing for the Socceroos in what would be probably the golden generation era, that 05, 06. Yeah, trying to sneak into the team however I could. But yeah, I was um, part of that squad, I think our greatest generation, yeah. to be honest. And people now know you that have met you in the, probably the last 10, 15 years, don't even associate that with you. Yeah. Like that you're famous for other reasons now. Mm. And I'm like, what? Not just a big head. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, how does that happen? Why is that guy's head so big? Yeah, is like, it his ego or yeah. is it just big? <laughs> yeah, so I was like, fuck, that's crazy. So I was excited to come on because I wanted to talk to you about the soccer stuff, but I wanted to I just start. I told you that I don't want to though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the catch. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was the catch. But no, sure. the last like 10 years, what I think you've done so well is you've detached from being a footballer. Like yeah. you've gone to the other side. Yeah. And 
You really like not always willingly. I just <laughs> I had, had nowhere else to go, and I think football was tired of me, to be honest, or oh. I was tired of it. Man, well, because what what I struggled with was like I followed you on Instagram when you were living in Bondi, and I want to go into this because my um, view of you was that you're an ex pro footballer. You were you were quite opinionated, a bit of a polarizing character, but like super talented. And then I look at you from the Bondi perspective, I'm like, man, this guy's like very spiritual, very like down to earth, very calm. And I'm like, what happened? Like, did you just kind of, when you came out of football, had a new lease of life or? Um, I think it's always been there, like a spiritual side. Um, I think we've all got it within us. It's just a place of love, really. And self-love is more important than any other love that you could give anyone. And I guess Mm. towards the end, going through all kinds of shit internally. The only way I survived was to find that inner peace. Mm. And that allowed me sort of to confront my, I don't want to say demons, but to confront things that were holding me back, you know? Mm. Um, I think as humans, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves being a pro athlete, even more so than being a public figure, if, you know, it all compounds. And so that phase of my life, me kind of, I say running away, but it wasn't wasn't that. It was more like I needed to go to Bondi to kind of just recalibrate because mm. no one cares. There. All they care about is the sand, the sun, and the surf. So it suited me fine. Yeah, you were at the beach every day. You were like, you were getting orange, man. Yeah. Your skin <laughs> yeah. was leather. Some, some summers, bro. I just remember. Definitely had a sponsorship with Refoil and Carrot <laughs> yeah. at different times. Yeah. Everyone's begging me to go get my skin checked. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know I'm not a good, good, I mean, I, yeah. Um but it was my it was my time to sort of just be. Mm. For a long time, I was striving for excellence, and it caused me all kinds of grief and joy. And then when I was done, I was really done. I I, I made a few appearances during the World Cup when I first um I think SBS or Optus would have been Optus actually um, when I first got there. Um, you know, I was in the green room one day and I was like, I actually just don't want to talk about football anymore. I don't find it interesting. Yeah. Um, I do catch highlights. I love seeing Australia do well, especially the Matildas right now. I love seeing the Aussie boys do well, um, obviously because my Croatian blood. Always very fond of watching them do well in World Cups and European Cups as well. But they I just didn't I just well. didn't want to be involved day to day anymore. Yeah. I just want to touch on Matildas um, before I sort of go into how I first knew about you because I think it's quite funny. But just to go on the Matildas because I saw you actually repost about them. Like it's pretty – Pretty crazy to think what the women's game is doing to the country right now, don't you think? Yeah, it's incredible. And they deserve all the accolades, the press, the exposure, the attention. But more than anything, they deserve the government to start funding them and soccer like they do the rest of the sports and the codes. Mm. Everyone else has got purpose-built stadiums, um, infrastructure, and we don't. Um, If this isn't glaringly obvious to them now, then I don't know when it will be. Um, it's nice for Channel 7 to jump on board. They've raised the level of exposure to a whole nother level, obviously. But we need that to continue after the World Cup. It's no good if it dissipates again, you know. When Johnny scored that penalty, everyone thought that was going to create, <coughs> that was going to create, you know, momentum and it was going to create, uh, how to say, a lot of change for the game. But without investment, there is no change. Yeah. And that's the reality. I played in Europe for a long time and, all these national teams that you see are doing really well and all these clubs that produce players and why they're doing well is because of the investment and nothing else. It's so true. I just, just did a post on it before. Um, and you know why? I think 
because we're used to it, people who have known football in this country for the last 20 years or longer are used to the fact that where everyone's get arcing up now at the government to do something while the iron's hot because we know post-World Cup it gets forgotten about. Mm. Like back from when the 05 team qualified, which I'll go into because I think you just missed out on the squad. Yeah, well, I was on the bench that day when Johnny scored the penalty. Yeah, you were there. Oh, running on the field. You and Archie. It's a yeah, famous photo. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, I don't know, they picked someone else. Life yeah. goes on. I went to Cannes for the film festival <laughs> instead. <laughs> I love him. I love him. two bank cards. I was like... <laughs> Champions League bonus gone, but hey, yeah. memory city stay. Did you did you ever think you'd see the women's game in our country at level it is now in no, your I lifetime? Don't think anyone necessarily can predict the future, and no one would have seen what's going on right now. No one can predict they would have made the semi final and, and had the results they're having, and for the nation to embrace them. But you know, that, I, I think Aussies love sport, mm. and there is enough to go around for everyone. It'd just be nice if the pie was divided a little bit more evenly so that the women can be supported and don't need to have jobs on the side to play professional in this country. Um, the girls that are playing overseas are obviously well looked after, but our code in Australia, they're probably where we were in our NSL days where yeah. a lot of them had part-time jobs and they can't survive just off what they're earning from their clubs. Yeah. That needs to change ASAP. Like, look at us now. We're a top four nation in the world. It's mental. You know, we've broken all kinds of records for the World Cup. It's even FIFA would have to say they've never had a World Cup hosted the way that Australia has now. And if we don't fund it in the in a required or necessary way, then how do we have a hope of hosting the the men's World Cup? Because they see all of that. You know, if it if it's treated as a third rate or second-rate game, then how are we going to convince the powers to be to be to bring the biggest sporting event the world has got to this country, which is the World Cup? Yeah, yeah, it's massive. Mm. And people, I think, what's what's amazed me is people that don't even watch football or soccer in this country are hanging hanging on to like their TV sets. Yeah, I was in some all codes. Like which we is all awesome. love AFL. We we yeah. grew up in Melbourne. I'm a Saners fan. And hey, me yeah, too. Yeah, I grew up in, <laughs> in Rabbin, and no different to when I was in Newcastle playing for the Jets. All of a sudden, I'm supporting the Knights. Nice. Yeah. You know, like we 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 we've got love for one and all. Yeah, yeah, it's you know? true. You know, I, I really enjoyed getting to know you over the last few few months. Yeah, we um. Ludo's got this trend where he goes, I don't know how long you've been doing it for because I feel like you would have been naturally doing it in Bondi, but like going going into a sauna, into the ocean before the sun's up kind of, and I've done it with you a few times now. We've had some great conversations, but the feeling I've been getting when I drive home after it, I'm like, man, I'm ready to attack. Yeah. I'm ready to go today. Well, it's getting used to the uncomfortable, and if yeah. you start your day that way, then anything after that becomes easier. Yeah. It's training your mind to be ready. Um, I haven't always been on top of it. Obviously, I'm not um, superhuman, but I'm in a place right now where I can't exist or I can't function without starting my day in that way. So even if it's five minutes, it's five minutes, but I'm telling myself that I'm ready for the day. Yeah. So like what, I've, what I really love about being around you is I feel like the rookie in the room. So oh, I'm yeah. like, do you know what I mean? Like, so I'm constantly, wait till Archie comes and I'll, then I won't yeah. feel like the rookie. Yeah. So, but, but no, like I, cause I, we have such deep conversations and it's like a lot of the time I'm left, like when I drive off, I'm like thinking about what you've said and which I, which I really enjoy. You're but currently the only person who's listening to me. Yeah, <laughs> but it's funny though, right? Because forever I'm back home, like there's a moment that stands out to me and I hope you don't mind me sharing this story, but when you played for South Melbourne, and I've, you're going to remember what I what I bring up here, but when you when you went to Oakley Cannons one day, yeah. and I was a 12, 13-year-old, maybe mm. younger, 
And um, the reserves game's just finished. The senior players are turning up. Lubo's got this very small stint at South before he's figuring out what he's doing, whether he goes back overseas or not. And you didn't have your accreditation on you. And as you were walking in, the poor lady there, like she kind of must have known who you were, but like trying to follow protocol and she's like, oh, like fuck it, just go in. And then the owner, famous owner of um, Oakley, Aki, who's big boy, by the way, and that – Adds to this story a little bit. <laughs> uh, May tried to make like a bit of a stand, say, no, nah, like get your accreditation. You can't come in. And you guys were going at it, like having to dig at each other, calling each other, like whatever names. And I need you to explain the end of this story. Because well, I, I wasn't calling anyone anything. Just I walked in with my headphones on. He was waiting for me. I yeah. had disco playing in my ears and I just gave him a peace sign <laughs> and kept walking. <laughs> yeah. I knew what he was up to. So he was, too, yeah, because he was trying to get He'd under your skin. He'd been prank calling me all week. Oakley wanted to sign me. They offered <clears> me a terrible, terrible offer. I ignored his calls. And after that, he was calling me a hundred times. It got to the point where I started answering saying, this is Pizza Hut. What would you like? Oh, okay. Because what I heard is the way this ended, he was like, not going to say harassing you, but he kind of made a stance against you. And then what happened there at the gate? So the whole week he's prank calling me and I keep answering like it's, you know, it's pizza delivery. (laughs) He's a big boy. Then I I get, then I walk through and I get pinned up by the security against the fence. This is what I saw. These big Fiji and Samoan boys pinning me against the fence. Yes. Eddie Krinchevich comes over, who was coach, former national team player, pioneer of our game, pays my entry just to stop it all. But unbeknownst to me, Word spread throughout the week that I kept answering my phone saying it's Pizza Hut. Oh. I go into the change rooms, carry on. We're getting ready. Everyone's like, what? We're like, you know, what the fuck's going on? And I'm just like, whatever, whatever. Welcome to the Lubo show. Yeah. On kickoff, 10 pizzas arrive. The <laughs> South Melbourne fans had got word, delivered 10 pizzas at kickoff time. They found him in the club rooms, dropped it on his desk. Oh my God. See, I heard that you made that no, call. I wish. I'm not that cheap. Oh, dude, I thought that was smart. Yeah, I thought that was yeah, genius. No, no, it's like, no, what no. a comeback. Here's got- 10 pizzas. <laughs> so I got the most of that story. That was yeah, a kick up. No, the 10 no, pizzas got, right, got arrived to him. <laughs> I've got better things to do. But then for the whole first half, he just abused me from the sidelines. He just didn't. Anyway, it's unfortunate. It's, look, I don't. For whatever reason, I, I, I figure he's got good intentions there somewhere. He's, he's supported the game for a long time, but obviously I aggravate him that can, day. Can you make, Can you imagine me? I'm like 11 years old. I'm seeing you pinned up against the wall that I'm hearing this story about 10 pizzas. Now I'm sitting with you in the ocean and we're talking about energy transfer and shit. I'm yeah. like, <laughs> life moves, man. man <laughs> life yeah, changes. Yeah, you transform over time. And I guess that's why also I pulled away from soccer a bit because it's just a heightened environment and I didn't want to be that person anymore. Mm. You know, I, I can't go for a five-a-side kick because you're automatically targeted. Yeah. You know, people release on the field. They release in the stadiums, whether they're playing or whether they're supporters. And I just don't want to take – I don't want to take my energy there. Yeah. I don't think it's beneficial to me anymore. Did people like in and around Bondi um, kind of ever associate you with soccer? Not necessarily, no. My, my closest friends obviously knew, but I didn't talk about it. I haven't talked about it for years, so they just wouldn't tap into that. Yeah. We talk about music, fashion, I don't know, the sauna or anything else. It didn't matter, but that was never a conversation topic. And so a lot of people there didn't know. No. Oh, that's pretty cool. They knew me from Porch and Parlour. They knew me from that, you know, hit spot cafe on the corner. That's where I sort of embedded myself in and that, and that was it. I was just the corner shop guy and that's what I wanted to be. I just wanted to be part of the community. I hadn't spent longer than a year in any city that I'd lived in since the age of 17. 
So once, when I arrived in Bondi, it was necessary for me to have stability and community. I think without that, we're all lost. Yeah, which in in football, you get used to kind of being a gypsy in a sense because you, you yeah, it's not in your no, control. You've got no choice. You've got um, no choice, it's, man. It's very unstabling, um, ungrounding. Uh, yeah, you've got no anchor, so it it can be tough when you're going through times of struggle. How did you? How did you? Because um, you seem like you really. S- succeeded and thrived when you were in Switzerland and that sort of early part of your European career. But at the same time, was that difficult being young overseas or did you like kind of really relish that in a well, sense? Well, yes and no. Like I did my knee. I was meant to end up playing in Germany. And yeah, I, and actually, I did which my club was supposed to sign you? Apparently Perth, a powerhouse. Perth of Berlin. Yeah, so I, I did, heard that. I, I did my knee early. I did my knee in the first game of the World Youth Cup, captaining Ange Postacoglu's side. Um, Missed out on a million dollar deal. Ended up in Switzerland for half the cash. Got cheated out of half a million dollars. Was left in a hotel room for a year, getting changed in a second team change room. To give you like an idea. So when you talk about success and thriving, it wasn't that. Yeah. But I was so stubborn to the point of being crazy. I did not want to return home until I made it. And I don't know what that means, but in my mind it was like, you're staying until you're playing and you're a regular. So it took me two years to play. I arrived injured. I needed a groin operation to get over the fact that I was compensating for my right knee. Finally started playing again. Left that left FC Zurich because they treated me poorly. Joined Basel. Um, Scott Chipperful. Yeah, Scott Chipperful and Ivan Ergic were there at the time. I just needed to feel like I was amongst family and friends again. Anyway, without going into all of it, I stuck it out. And the reward was there was later when I was playing for FC Tun, we qualified for Champions League and, you know, that – those moments will never be forgotten. Or even the Champions League run with Basel, even though I didn't play, you know, we're playing against Juventus, Manchester United, Liverpool. I'm traveling around Europe. It's, it was a dream come true. But to dream, you, just, you know, you can also, you also have to have the, the realization that life's about polarity. So there's going to be nightmares as well. Mm. Did you play Champions League? Yeah. But yeah, it's pretty cool. To up that, didn't you captain? Yeah, mm-hmm. captain a team in Europe, um, played against the Invincibles, which was Arsenal's team at Highbury the last year that they um, – So you captain in the Champions League against, like, the Invincibles? Yeah, well, in that game, yeah. Thierry, it's a lad from Moorabbin. Thierry Henry, Burkamp fouled me. They scored a goal last minute. Oh. Coach accused me of trying to dribble out of the back, which I do, but not on that occasion. <laughs> That's how you rated the wrong. And I told him in no uncertain terms in front of the whole team what I thought of him. <laughs> as if I would be trying to dribble out of defence in the 89th minute at hybrid. Yeah, you're not that stupid. If you, if you watch the replay, he clearly pushes me over and I fall over the ball. But, you know, it's Champions League first round, Arsenal 1-1 at home, I think, was more important for them to win than it was for us to draw. I'm just going to really ask a dumb question, but this is my inner football. Just wanted to know, like, how good is the level of Champions League football? Oh, it's incredible. It's everything I ever dreamed of, and I was shitting myself walking out there. What's the biggest difference, though, from, like, say, playing? Oh, it's just all intuitive, you know. At that level, um, I think everyone's touch is always where it's meant to be. Um, mm. You move coercively as a unit, and that's and that's why those teams, you know, like Barcelona, obviously back then Arsenal were very much what Barca is all about. They move as one. You know, every coach would like their team or, you know, what uh, to – Two actors, one, and everyone's on the same page. So I guess that's what you notice the most. Yeah, nothing's by chance. It's not coincidence, you know. So with the, with some of these young players that are leaving Australia now, like we see a lot of them come back to the A League, that necessarily don't um, progress, but they go over there with big talent and mm. big sort of expectations, quite similar to you. It's interesting how you said that 
you didn't really have success until two years in. Mm. So do you- I was injured. I was, I was left. The oh, so basic, you, you I was left in the rubble. Play. I was left in the rubble. Like no one was interested, but I was that stubborn. And with that came resilience that I, I, I just didn't want to return. Do you reckon though, that's what we're missing in some of that? Do you reckon people oh. should be stuck like toughing it out? I don't know, mate. I, 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 I caused myself all kinds of mental anguish. Yeah. <laughs> still suffering. I love his honesty. Still suffering a twitch today. Because yeah. Of that. Um, yeah. No, I don't know. I can't say what's right or wrong for anyone. That, that was my journey. Yeah. You know? I think a few of the boys going over now are extremely talented, but it's not given to you. You know, you're taking someone's spot. Um, and back then the A-League wasn't what the A-League is and we weren't playing in Asia either. Mm. We weren't offered million dollar deals to go play in China back then. Pretty sure I would have t- taken a couple of meals. Like, you would be worth some coin now. Yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, I the boys that have gone and played in like the Middle East and Asia, what, you think I would have said no to three or four million? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said no to, you know, a, a decent offer in China so that I could play for Heyduk Split towards the end of my career. Heyduk Split is where my family's from. Well, Split is where my family's from in Croatia. Wow. Playing for Heyduk meant a lot to me. And I said no to a bigger offer then, but it wasn't in the millions. The difference was maybe a few hundred thousand. Uh, I don't think, you know, when people people cast aspersions or judgment on athletes taking a paycheck or taking a payday, um, I think they're coming from a point of view that they don't understand how short-lived one's career is yeah. and how hard it is to get there. And at, the, at different points in time, you're making decisions to look after your family. It's so true. It's man. no longer about the accolades or prestige. It's actually like, oh, this is my investment fund. It's less than 10% of your life, your yeah. career, almost. Like, yeah. That's how short it is. It's pretty true. I think you'll appreciate me saying this now because you've been through a lot of shit in your life, but you're, I think you're in like a really beautiful place right now, aren't you? Yeah. Like with what you're doing, like your career now, everything, yeah, thought, where you're at in life too, like just like with your whole sort of outlook, I think you're in a really good spot. Definitely. Yeah. I've moved on. You know, I've let go. I've yeah. learned to appreciate the small things. Sometimes in that like high paced adrenaline field life, um, you're looking for kicks all the time. And unless you're getting those big pats on the back, you don't feel like you're living. He's yeah. sort of always racing. I don't anymore. I've, uh, I fell into hospitality and now I'm embracing it. Um, it's my career. I'm part of a beautiful restaurant called the Beverly in South Yarra. Good friends of mine, Cam, uh, Marco and Lockie opened it up about three months ago and you Cam from Bondi. Um, and now I'm part of, you know, this, um, I, I feel like it's a new hospitality group. I think it's going to be the first of many. And it's a joy for me. It's inspiring to have purpose again yeah. in, a, in a wholly different world, you know, to be learning again. Man, it's, I watch you at work. You're like a, a natural. I call you a restauranteur. Yeah. I rest- think, is that the right word? Restauranteur. Restauranteur. I, I don't know. It's no, like reading the room is no different, I feel, to reading the field. Yeah. You know, there are, there are certain plays and systems in place. Um, as long as you've got that awareness or spatial awareness, yeah. and I guess I, I, I feel for people's energy, you can always sort of – make a difference, you know, on the field and on, and in a restaurant. So I guess that's why I'm there. When did you, when did you start going into the hospitality game? Was it Bondi, pre-Bondi? Yeah, Bondi. I moved there and, and walked into my mate's cafe and just said, I give me a job. I'm happy to be a waiter. You know, I don't want to know. Don't talk about football with me. Don't let anyone know that I play football. Were you um, in a bad spot when you were doing this? No, or was it just I, just, like, I just got there and just, just, wanted, just wanted to be away. I just wanted to rock up and do whatever hours I needed to do and then finish work one or two. 
and go to the beach. Yeah. And that's what I did basically for the last six Dude, years. your Instagram was like the, the life. <laughs> it was the life. Oh, man. You'd have uh, a book at the beach by 1.30 p.m. every day. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, fucking hell, yeah. like this guy. Until I got bored of myself. I was like, I'm running out of things to say. <laughs> and it's like, no wonder, dude, you're not doing a whole lot. You know, I, mean, I say that. I say that in a self-deprecating way. Like, obviously, I've always had um, interesting people pass through my life. Bondi's an international port mm-hmm. as such. And so- it's always been full of colour, but I felt like I was ready to start pushing again, um, striving for more, whatever that may be. It's it's nice to be part of a group that's, um, you know, so driven to 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 achieve a lot more than what they already are. Yeah. You definitely don't name drop and I don't want to make you, but like the people that you've become friends with and some of the people that you've met that have passed through Bondi. friends with me. Mate. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like I think you might have mentioned someone's wedding you went to recently, but like just the amount of like A-grade status people that are in love with you from their experience in Bondi in a short-lived time yeah. is fucking yeah, unbelievable. Know, they will probably feel sorry for me. Yeah. Like, look at that guy. Look how big, is there any, is there any look how big his head say? is. Is there any that you can say? What, like, like people that yeah, are like in my that, crew? Who was oh. the one you told me about the wedding the other? Uh, oh, well, I think it's, I don't know, it might be out there, but obviously during that, well, not obviously, during that time I became really good mates with Joe Jonas. Yeah, Joe Jonas. That's he was it. one of the voice uh, coaches. He walked into the cafe one day and we hit it off and, you know, six months later or maybe a year it was, I'm going to his wedding, the only Aussie to go to he and Sophie Turner's wedding in the south of France. Um, <laughs> and I'm not going to go on about everyone who was there and all the rest of it. Bro, but, you were just you know, making coffee, man. You know, you're, at, you're at the but south just, of France. Know, yeah, south of France. It was incredible. The wedding was incredible. They're, they're, they're beautiful people. Um, they're touring Australia next year at the beginning of March. So I've already taken two weeks off work. I'm going on tour. <laughs> um, whether, whether or not they want me or not, no one's, no one's invited me. I'm just like self-imposing myself. That's what I do. That's why people are my mates. Yeah. They're like, he's not let go. And that's, <laughs> and that's my leg. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, here he is. Yeah, he's back. Make us a coffee. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, I think, um, I think the life that I've led, I can understand what people are going through, mm. uh, regardless of who it may be. And, and they may be famous, they may be infamous. It doesn't matter. Um, I'm, I'm always coming from a place of kindness. Yeah. Um, if you're kind to me, I'll be kind back. If you take an interest in me, I'll take an interest back. And, and I think that's, that's what life's about. It's all about human connection. And so I sort of try to hang on to the ones that add a little bit of colour or life to my life because I think we all need it. Hey, Legends, just a quick break in this episode to thank our partners, Dabble, the gambling agency, where you dabble socially and gamble responsibly. Please only bet what you can and are willing to lose. Now, Dabble is one of the great platforms out there. I absolutely love using it. Very similar to Instagram, where you can follow some of the head honchos in the different sports, copy their bets and get some good wins on the board. Now, fortunately for me, I've been working with Dabble for over a year. This year, we are doing a stream every Tuesday night. It's called Jake's Take. It's from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m., where you can go in the Double app, you can join me. We get guests on every week. We bet on the dogs. We have an absolute ball, and they're talking about sport and cutting up the shop around what's going around town across all codes. So come on down, check it out. Double socially, gamble responsibly, and let's get back into the episode. I'm glad you brought up like the sort of perspective around energy because we've spent a lot of time in the water talking about this and that you leave me thinking. And you know, like, I'm actually trying to run away from you when I'm in the water. <laughs> I know, I know. You're probably thinking like this I'm guy. like, this guy's draining. At, at, like, at I, this point, I'm like, fuck, what am I giving back here? Like just, I invited him, but I didn't really invite him. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go in the water. You probably can't swim. <laughs> <laughs> I actually can't swim that well either. 
Nah, yeah. the whole energy thing and without trying to sound too spiritual. Well, energy transfer, you're big on. And I just want yeah. you to explain that to people. Oh, look, I burnt out numerous times in my life because I, f- I was racing through life. And by doing that, I was constantly giving, not necessarily receiving. I wasn't able to receive because I was never still enough. Mm. When I finally pulled myself out of my darkest hole, which was at the end of my career, and I went to my parents and I hid away from the world for a couple of years, I realized the only way I'm going to survive is if I go into self-preservation mode. And so through that, or to explain it a little bit further, there, you know, there, we all have our moments where we hang out with people and some elevate or lift us up and others, for whatever reason, and it's not intentional, but they may be bringing, bringing us down. Um, I've become, I don't want to say cutthroat, but I've become aware of that and the effect people have on me at different times. Yeah. I see over 2,000 people a week in the job that I'm doing um, at the Beverly. I don't have too much left over. Um, also, I want to be able to give the best of me every time or as much as I can. So in my spare moments, if you're, if I feel like I'm walking away and I'm somewhat down too many times in a row, then I won't look to hang out with you in the future too many times. Yeah. I need to look after myself. I don't ever want to burn out again. I don't want to disappear from the face of the earth the way I did in my past. And the only way I can do that is being aware of my energy because we're all matter. Like we're all giving and receiving, you know, and there are times where you're there for your buddies and they're going through stuff, but there are times we have to be there for yourself because you're going through things. So for me, it's, you know, a swim in the bay in the morning, it's flotation tanks, it's yoga, it's meditating. Oh man, the flotation tanks. You, you, know, you swear by them, mate. I love it. I love it. I don't know. I think I'm like a spaceman. <laughs> yeah. I come out of it and what I feel like- What did you tell me? What, what was the statistic around I don't it? It's know. like they four hours about, of sleep They something? say it's like one hour in there is the equivalent of four hours of sleep. It's a self-deprivation, cha- sorry, sensory deprivation chamber. Okay. So it's got like the benefits are countless. Um, you'll get a better description online than what I'm giving you right now. But I just walk out of there every time and I feel rejuvenated. And that's enough for me, placebo effect or otherwise. And so there are a bunch of things like that that I do for myself and I need to do for myself. And without it, I don't think I would, you know, I don't exist or I'm at least not being the person I want to be. Do you know, like it's, because I don't think people are very cutthroat with that, like in the sense of like people, people aren't as switched on to it. They may be aware of it, but people have a lot of ple- people pleasing tendencies. And that's what yeah. I really admire about you. It's like oh, you're I've more. Never cared. Yeah. Yeah. I know, but it's. No, I mean, hospitality. So obviously I'm in the people pleasing business and I don't want to rub people the wrong way. I'm not, I'm no longer the guy running around on the field shouting at people. That's not who I am. And, mm. and that, and that was necessary for what I was doing then. But the other side of it is I don't want to be short with people. I don't want to be um, upset or feel like um, I'm rubbing people the wrong way or they're rubbing me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. So it's understanding that. And you can only get to that point if you find a place of stillness and then you can pull yourself away and recognize or observe what's going on. And so I'm constantly striving to get to that place and stay there. Yeah. It's beautiful because I, this is why I'm so glad to have you on because we are actually a first interview in like six or seven years. But the last mm-hmm. one you did um, – was really vulnerable and really candid about when you came out of football, that sort of one or two years where you're sort of battling depression and mm. kind of uh, what a big part of why this platform's around, just that re-immersing yourself into the world. It's like you're not used to it. You've been kind of shat on by this game that even people at the top like have gone through a bumpy journey, feel the rigors of, and then it's like you've got to re-incarnate yourself into society. 
yeah, recalibrate, reinvent. It's so um, hard, man. And it's 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 not so much what the way society perceives you; it's about how you perceive yourself. Correct, and that's so. that's the biggest struggle. Yeah, um, that that identity. I don't care if people know that I played soccer or not. Yeah, that wasn't the reason for my struggles, but it was all. Or a bunch of other stuff that, you know, I, I had to learn to let go of or process. You know, we all suffer from versions of PTSD, really. Um, incidents happen or moments happen in your life. And, you know, where I was too stubborn to ever go speak to a psych or confide in anyone. Would you endorse that now? For yeah, for sure. Well, your mind's everything. Yeah, it you is. Know, it's it? like you, you take your car to get a tune up. Why wouldn't you speak to someone? Yeah. You know, we go get massages, but you know what? I dare say you'd have less injuries if you spoke to someone about whatever struggles you may have or issues or worries and you'd be injured less. Like it's, it's you know, there's science behind it. I 100% Healthy think, mind is healthy body, you know? I 100% think back even in my day and I, w- I was young, but I played on the back end of your career, but I think 100% in your day, it would have been looked as a weakness to go and talk to 100%. someone in a sporting environment. 100%. Do you know I, what I mean? And I was like asked to at times and some clubs organized it, but then those clubs turned on me as well. Like I felt betrayed, you know, whether I was or not, I don't know. That's what I felt. Mm. It was kind of like they used that information against me. So it's, 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 it's very, it's a bit, it's precarious. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and sports brutal like life is as well, but sport, especially so, you know, what, what for you is in the, cause I want to go into like some of your achievements uh, and me watching you play it. Cause you were, time. you were a beautiful, <laughs> you were a beautiful center, you were a modern day center back for now. Yeah. In your jet, because you were like, what are you, six foot what? Six four. Six four. So back then it was very abnormal to have a ball playing centre back. Yeah. Whereas now you'd well, be, I always thought I was you number- would be worth money now. Yeah. Well, I, always, I always played centre back like I was a number 10. We yes. Said. Correct. <laughs> right. But you would be- encouraged been, it, but you it used to be funny, like with my teammates and so forth. Some coaches would embrace it, others wouldn't, but yeah. I'd ignore them. But were you a midfielder first to have I that? I was a midfielder. That's as a kid. why. And then, you know, at one point in time, I grew, I grew very tall. Uh, well, not very tall, but tall for a midfielder, I suppose. And then naturally sort of being a leader or understanding the game, I was an asset to the team to be playing central defence. I enjoyed playing like defensive midfield as well, but, mm. you know, um, yeah, I really enjoyed playing the the game the way we all love watching it, I suppose, or at least. When it's an art form. Um, you know, treating it in a beautiful way rather than just. I don't know, results driven. Yeah. yeah. And, but clearly I wanted to win just as much, if not more than anyone when I was playing, um, or just as much as anyone I should say, but I I like to do it in a way where it was entertaining. Yeah. And I also think what uh, I struggled with in my career, and Rashid Mahazi spoke about this too, it's like when it's so business driven on results, the way what affected him and myself was how people got treated based mm. on the result. Yeah. It's like, man, the effort didn't change. Mm. Circumstances happened, but like people would actually treat you differently. Yeah. And like you've experienced that, I think at the highest level where you've been. That's you know, life, man. It's not, it's not, the, the thing is, it's not just in sport, it's in entertainment, it's in, in every industry. That's the reality. Mm. You know, you sometimes you have good leaders, managers or otherwise bosses, and they will um, always give you the credit that you're due. But the reality is, man, that the world that we're in is capitalist society. It's all about results. Yeah. Um, and until you step away from that, you're not going to escape it as much as you try. That's a good point. Uh, 2005 Confederations, was it 2005, 2006 Confederations Cup? 2005, yeah. 2005. That was, was that, I'm not going to say the height of your career because you were doing things on at club level, but from an international perspective, yeah, that, that, that was a, that's a big tournament, man. Yeah, it was a bit of a comeback 
trail for me from being injured. I did my knee playing for the young Socceroos. I did my groin qualifying for the Olympics with Frank, you know, captain of both teams, and I missed out on three years of football. So when I came back, finally playing Champions League again, part of the team that qualified, well, for the World Cup, played the Confeds Cup, Farina was still coach. So I guess the traje- trajectory was heading that way. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't know, by the end of that season or a year later, didn't get taken to the World Cup, sort of hit the wall mentally again. I was captaining young boys. Were you but, close though? Like who 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 was ahead of you in that uh, sense? Because Without saying names, I think at the time they took a couple of players that had finished playing their season in the A-League at the time in February. So they hadn't played a competitive match in four or five months and they were taken to the World Cup over me. I kind of blew up like yeah, as standard, you would. standard, told some people what I thought of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to my own Dare detriment. To elaborate? To, to my own detriment, I, I guess, but whatever. I was doing the it's best. It's an emotional I, environment, man. Yeah. It's fucking hard. It's hard. I don't know. It's easy my, to look back on I hindsight I've had my now. emotions in check, but that's yeah. the way I felt at the time. I felt wronged. Mm. And that was it. I, I, I didn't play for Australia again, pretty much. Um, and within a year of that, I, even though I was captaining in Switzerland, it's sort of like, not the final, final nail in the coffin, but I was just homesick. I'd been on the road for almost 10 years. Um, and I asked them if they'd release me from my, from my contract. I foregoed a lot of money. Um, Actually, so you asked to leave. Yeah. I didn't know that. Is yeah, this at yeah. Tun? This was at Young Boys. So oh, I left, yeah. I left Young Tun. Boys, another big club. Yes. They play Champions League regularly. Yes, I left Tun, joined Young Boys. Um, yeah, I was, just, I was just, yeah, I just needed, I just needed to not be there anymore. Mm. Did you? So when you kind of came back around that period, um, were you kind of disconnected from football, or did you still have ambitions to get no, back to so where I you were? I came back and I joined Melbourne Victory. Yeah, and they just won, I don't know, six 0 against Adelaide. Yeah, and so then I was like there. You were a marquee uh, signing. I was a marquee sense. signing, 100%. yeah, for sure. That didn't last for long. But I've, heard some, I've heard some great <laughs> stories with you at Victory. There's legendary I, Lubo stories at yeah, Victory. Yeah. I never stopped being a marquee, but I just <laughs> 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 But maybe just not signing. Yeah. Um, you know. But, yeah, stories. There's a few. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, famous one that I heard. And, again, Kat, Kat, you can tell me, but uh, good old Ernie Merrick was telling you what to do and then you, I think you might have let him go if you captained in the Champions League. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would, I, it wouldn't have been said as such. Along those lines? But obviously things were going down and, oh, and I, didn't, I didn't step back. I don't know. I was brought up to um, speak my truth. Rightly or wrongly, um, I don't know if I do things differently now than I did then. I mean, I am different to what I am. Hundred percent, I am different today than what than then. But you know, that was that was a time. It's it was the environment a lot, a that lot changes of, you. Yeah, the environment. Um, we're all we're all you know how to say we're all victims of our environment. Yeah, in one way of putting it, and and that was just a, a time. Yeah. But whatever, man. Like at the end of the day, I was Makes running around, kick, crick, rick, rick a, running around, kicking a ball. Yeah. Life goes on. Yeah, there's nothing better. I think I, I think people shouldn't take it for granted as a job. Despite the pressures, it's pretty cool. Yeah. You yeah, get to put you know, boots on and go on. kick and, with and your and mates. And life goes on, man. Who cares? Yeah. So what? Some of us don't get along. Yeah. Nothing new there. Yeah. It's you know, of some it. of us see life differently. That's okay. What makes it interesting, yeah. you know? Wouldn't be fun if we didn't have difference. Yeah. Were you always going back into sort of the youth and where you sort of started at football? Were you always – sort of touted and marked to go to the levels that you did? 
Were you always, because yeah. you're obviously in the youth national teams, but did you stand out as a kid, not just with your height, but technical ability? No, like from a young age, you know, you get start, you get, get, you get picked for regional and Victorian teams and then, you know, Victorian Institute of Sport, Australian Institute of Sport. Yeah. Um, I was captaining teams the whole way through. Fuck so man. I was one of the ones. That's mad. Yeah. Yeah. The system worked for me to a, to a degree. Yeah. <laughs> there's so much no, like there's so many layers to that yeah, yeah. like in all kinds of beautiful you ways did. You, you ticked every you're a bit like me you ticked every box coming through the ranks but you maintained it up until like 25 26 which is incredible oh no man i kept going yeah like, you I, like i, you I went really and joined the jets on. i went you back kicked. to europe i played for Haydook split yeah you played i like I, I, I lived out my dreams i don't i don't want to come across as someone who's bitter or saddened in any way. I lived out my dreams. So what? I didn't play for Australia a hundred times. I, I played a few times. Yeah. I'm one of the lucky ones. Yeah. You know, I played in Europe. I played Champions League. I'm one of the lucky ones. It's not lost on me. Man, I'm, 100%. I'm grateful. I would kill to have your career. I'm grateful. Yeah. To this day, I've got friends all over the world speak different languages because of that, mm. you know? Yeah. Do you reckon um you're really good, like you – from a cultural perspective uh, or culturally because of where you've lived and your experiences through football. I think it's why you're so good with people. Yeah, 100%. You've, you've been in change rooms, captain change rooms with so many different cultures in there and yeah. had to bring it together and all that sort of stuff. It, well, I figure I'm a bit of an empath as well. Like I've, I've got a, I, 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 I yeah. feel things, you know, so if that's, that's part of me. I can't ignore it or deny it. So mm. I want what's best for the greater good. I feel like that's where I'm coming from most of the time. I try at least anyway. Yeah. Um, so when you're in those change rooms and you've got all kinds of different cultures, you know, you, you've got to look out for each other. We're all one essentially. Yeah. Just because you're born on that side of the fence or because some guy drew a line a long time ago, doesn't mean you're any different to me. What, what would you sort of, when you look back now, even though you're in some ways really well detached from football, which is what I do love because I think that's quite hard to do. Like what are some things you look back on your career that you're like, no one can take away from me that you're still super proud of that you're able oh, to achieve. I guess. Cause there's a lot, man. Oh, I don't know. Just the fact that I got to play all over the world in front of full stadiums, have the fans chant my name. What's the best stadium you reckon you played in? Like if oh, you're, I don't know with the national team and you, I didn't play, but when we were qualifying for the world cup in Montevideo, the stadium oh. was electric playing against Hamburg in the UEFA cup and Van der Vaart was playing for the team at the time. That was electric hybrid with Burkamp. Marseille, when they had Ribéry and Nazri were still playing Is that there. the Velodrome? Yeah. Oh, um, in the Velodrome. That's yeah. a crazy stadium. Hayduk split. I mean, this, the, the, the atmosphere at the Poly was insane. Yeah. Um, you know, like it's, it's countless, yeah. you know. Um, where do you go? At the same time, being in the Cannes Film Festival, <laughs> sitting on the beach, Nikki Beach, and drinking rosé with my next coach, doing a deal. <laughs> and, you know, you've got – um. Brad Pitt walking by and Jamie Foxx rapping live. That was pretty cool too. Like, like <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to go into all those, de- like all those stories, but like, you know, if it wasn't for football, I wouldn't have seen the world the way I have and I wouldn't continue to do so to this day. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's, um, it's given me a lot and it hasn't stopped, you yeah. know? So I guess that's why being back in Melbourne now, embracing that side of my life again, because it's something to be proud of. Yeah. How do you, like, I, I think it's more broader than sport what you've done, but you've transformed yourself in a way for, for some of our listeners that are, are you know, changing parts or, or going through stuff for you. Like what was some, of, if you look back on it, cause I don't know if you knew that you were doing it, but like, what are some great things to be able to transform yourself, to get yourself into a better state of mind, better position in life? Um, stay interested. 
in life, um, have interests outside of football, whatever they may be. doesn't mean you have to be studying, you know, a, a degree as such at uni, but read books, read magazines, ask people what they're up to. Um, go to museums, check out galleries, go watch movies, go dance a night away, live life, chase experiences because that's all we've got. And along the way, you'll stumble a million times, but that's what makes you human and that's what makes you interesting. And through that, you'll find your path. There is no right or wrong way. Yeah. Um, I don't believe in that. Um, there are many stories of people finding success at all at all ages and success also differs for many people. Yeah. yeah for, for you, what do you sort of define it as then? Because being still, yeah, being at peace. That's hard to do um, in this world. Having a smile on my face caring about others. If I can continually do that, then I'm in a good place. It's nice to be able to buy a meal and drive a car too, but you know, there are, there are many stories of people who who are billionaires or, you know, singing on stage in front of hundred thousand people. And later, you know, you hear that they've committed suicide because they haven't found that stillness. So stillness is, is success in my mind. Yeah, I agree. That's very true. Very hard to do, man. I think you've detached yourself from football so well, man. Like, I don't know how you did it for the heights. Because I think it's quite hard because it's a bit of a drug. Yeah. Like, when, you play, when you're playing in front of those stadiums, you're wearing the armband. I'm just band. tired of dominating, man. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and it's so – I'm so disappointed, man. For 12 years or whatever it was, I thought you sent those pizzas to Waki. Oh, man. And now you've told me – There's a lot of half-truths, like, you know, but, you know, oh, whatever. Just, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of like, noise always been around you for some reason. It's Look, just it's the head, man. Yeah, it's you, ab- abnormally big. Do you remember? Do you remember the interview you did with um, SBS ages ago? And like, I, I think you you came out after and you spoke about like just where you're at, but you're in like a bit of a polarizing place. Yeah, it's quite in- unbelievable was, to like listen to you talk. There now. was a tirade. There's a tirade. <laughs> yeah, it was, I asked them to take it down. It's and, my favorite interview of all oh, time, man. It's yeah, yep. At the time, that's what I felt. Yeah, you know, um, and that connected with a lot of the football fraternity. Um, yeah, they loved it and hated it. But so be it. You know, there, there are different times where we're speaking our truth and my truth today is different to what it was then. Absolutely. Also, I don't think I'm as as confrontational or adverse. Uh, uh, I don't necessarily need to uh, take up causes in the same way I did then as I do now, you know. Yeah. I don't think it's to, to my benefit to be that person. Yeah. Um, it, it requires a lot of energy when you're talking about energy. It's not easy when you're living life that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, man, it's been great talking to you. There's probably one or two more things. I always wanted to know who the best pl- best striker you was that you marked in your career. Thierry Henry, Bergkamp, okay. um, Balak. Balak. But the one, that, the one that none of us could get close to was Frank Ribéry. It took like three oh. or four of us sprinting, slide tackling and all the rest of it just to get near him. He, was he, he just – it's as if he just glided across the field. You couldn't get near him. He's not that he, big though, is he? No, nah, small, but he deserved to win at one point in time. I think he was um, wronged. He deserved to win the Ballon d'Or at one point in time for sure. He had an yeah. incredible period in his, in his career. He was that good. Yeah. He yeah. was on that, you know, Messi, Ronaldo level there for a couple of seasons when he was at Bayern for sure with the French national team as well. Yeah, he's special. He's a Bayern legend. 
Yeah. Like they will build a statue of him, yeah, him and Robin. They as were, well. yeah, 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 French legend. Mm. Yeah, he was big. So um, he was incredible for sure. He really stands out. From a career perspective now, we touched on it before, but I do just want to blow it up again. The Beverly, it's new venue in Melbourne. Yeah, in You're absolutely yeah. killing it. You're always dressed in like probably the, the greatest suit you'll ever see. Like if you if anyone ever goes, I'm telling you now, you'll see Lubo <laughs> in a suit. Like do say hello. But like honestly, you are dr- always dressed divine. But I'm keen from like – because I know you've got the hunger and you, you want to achieve things in your life as much as you love your stillness. Like what's sort of your your goal in the in the hospitality industry or, is, or do you not look at it like I, that? I guess eventually at some point in time it makes sense to be an owner again. Mm. Um, we'll see what the future holds. But I love just being part of this group. Um, they're so inspiring, uh, purpose-driven. It's nice to tap into their world and, and their knowledge um, I'm learning every day. So I'm, I'm very grateful for where I'm at and to be a part of the group, um, Goldfields Group, which are property developers and Beverly is an extension of that. Um, they've got a lot of exciting things in the mix in the future. Um, and Marco Gattino, the, uh, the owner, Lockie Thompson, the CEO, and then Cam, their business partner, Cam Northway, their business partner in Beverly. Between the three of them, I'm fortunate enough to be to call them my mates and I'm able to have coffee with, with, with either of them any day of the week. And I'm very fortunate to that because unbeknownst to them, they've all become little mentors in my life. And so uh, to be around them and tap into their success, I'm very grateful for. Do you know what's funny? They, they probably don't know that you think that of them, but also in their mind, they're thinking like, man, we got Lubo Socceroo. Why is he getting me water? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? They're thinking <laughs> nah, the other way. Like, nah. cause yeah. No, but I'm like, you know, you, you let go of that form You've of detached version, from your ego, your man. It's so good, self. bro. It's like what's – nothing's beneath me. Yeah. You know? You've um, really lost the, the ego perspective, which yeah. like a lot of – like even me, I haven't lost that at all. Like I it's, still – It's still, kind. It's, 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 a, it's a nice feeling. It's somewhat selfish making people feel good. Yeah. You know, so being kind to people, you get back straight away. If you're mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're going to get a mean reaction. So it's pretty obvious. <laughs> Be nice to people, they're nice back. Yeah. You great. know, you don't get much from being abrasive. Courtesy costs you nothing. Yeah. We got last one, Lubes, is um around a, a constant question we're asking this and all the listeners will know. Resilience, driver, ambition, three traits we attest to success in across your journey. It probably changed, but I just want maybe we'll go with now. Like what's sort of the one that stands out to you the most out of resilience, drive, and ambition across your journey, would you say? Resilience. Resilience. Yeah, you've had a lot of shit. Yeah, resilience. Yeah. You can have all the drive and ambition in the world, but if you're not resilient, it's it's for nothing. Yeah. Because everyone was driven and ambitious at one stage. Yeah. But having the resilience to get up again and go again and go again and go again gives space for your drive and ambition to flourish. I love it, man. I love it. It's been a pleasure having you on, man. You are definitely an idol of mine growing up. It's funny Thank that you. we're friends now. It's a bit yeah. surreal at times, to be honest. Well, I'm I like, couldn't escape you. you yeah. Like, <laughs> I was like 12 when you were playing for the Socceroos. No, I like, mean like even recently. Like, <laughs> I'm only here to yeah, get you get, off my back. Yeah, get used to it. Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a gun pointed right at him. Like, the other. key. <laughs> Where's the shower? <laughs> shower. Oh, I appreciate you, Lou's Everyone, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Hope you enjoyed the show. Are you a podcaster? Maybe you've got that big idea and you're looking for a network to join. The multi-award winning OzCast Network can get your content to eyes and ears all over the world. Join now for the first month free and you could be featuring this sound at the beginning of your podcast. OzCast. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details.